Before we get started, I want to thank our friends at DeLonghi for supporting this podcast. everyone. Welcome to Domino's new podcast, Design Time, where we explore spaces and places with meaning. I'm your host, Jessica Ron Perez, Domino's Editor-in-Chief. Each week, join me along with creative visionaries who will share their journey to designing spaces that move you. We'll explore the emotional side of design, from the ritual of gathering to a mood-boosting paint trick to the renovation tips that will inspire your next project. Home is the best place to start exploring personal style. How do you shape your world from the inside out? Let's discover now on Design Time. Despite the uncertainty around us, it's been quite a year of accomplishments for Aisha Curry. While gracing the cover of our fall style issue, she released her second cookbook, New York Times bestseller, The Full Plate, Flavor-filled, easy recipes for families with no time and a lot to do, appeared at the Democratic National Convention, and hosted an Instagram Live cooking demo with Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. While this year has seen many serious milestones for Aisha, including launching her media platform and magazine Sweet July, which champions female entrepreneurs and people of color, and planning for the imminent opening of her retail environment in downtown Oakland. Along with that, her nonprofit foundation, Eat, Learn, Play, which she co-founded with her husband, NBA superstar Steph Curry, is doing incredible work to support children in need through this moment of global pandemic and remote schooling. Her work and vision is an inspiration, as is the way she decorates, feeds her family of five, and communicates with her fans. She uses her platform to amplify diverse voices, and for that, we are all grateful. I'm so excited to share my conversation with Aisha with all of you. Hey, Aisha, how are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm so glad we can make this happen. So excited. I'm excited too. Thank you so much. Are you seeing your cover all over the place? Yes, it's been wild. And I've been getting videos from my friends and family that see it out and about. So the cover came out and then your book dropped like literally a week later. It's amazing <laughs> timing. <laughs> it's been a whirlwind to say the least. Um, but I'm so grateful for all of the opportunity. It's been nice to have these little silver linings along the way. Tell me a little bit about the book. And first of all, it's a bestseller. Yeah. I mean, yeah. amazing. Congrats. Yes. Thank you so much. It's so nice to have something that you put so much hard work and effort to be recognized in that way. And so I was so nervous for the list to come out that first week after the book. And when I saw my name on there, I just started crying because I couldn't believe it. And it's just like everything just comes to fruition in that moment. That I think that's the moment that made it real for me. So yes, it's a bestseller. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> in normal times, you would be doing a book tour, going around the country. It's a different time to kind of launch something so big. So to get that recognition is really incredible. And the first time around, I had so many stops on a bookstore. And so this time it was interesting to do it virtually, um, but mm-hmm. people were still receptive. So I love how resilient 
we are as human beings and being able to figure out different ways to still accomplish what we need to accomplish. I'm just so grateful. So this book is the full plate, flavor-filled, easy recipes for families with no time and a lot to do. I can relate. I have three kids. What is your kind of food point of view? The book is amazing, but if you could articulate it to the listener. In a dream world, right? I would love to have hours to prepare the most epic of meals. Some days, maybe Sundays, I do occasionally get the time to do that. But our day-to-day is chaotic. Both my husband and I work. You know, the kids have their school now and Cannon's running around. He's two. And so my approach to cooking has really become, how do I get the meal on the table? But I'm a lover of food and I don't eat to live. I live to eat. And so... I don't like wasting my time on a meal. Like it's got to be delicious. My approach to cooking is like make it fast, make it simple, but still have it jam-packed with all of the flavor that you can possibly get in there. Tell me a little bit about Eat, Learn, Play and the foundation that you guys started and what that means to you and what it's looked like in this really challenging year. So Eat, Learn, Play is just years of us putting all of the elements together of the things that we were doing into one place and so that we can make a bigger impact. The eat component of eLearn Play is near and dear to my heart um, because I've been advocating to end childhood hunger here in America for years. And it's still something that we're on a journey towards. It's still something that's happening right in our own backyards. One in six children are going hungry every day in the United States. And so those numbers for me were more than enough to get me going and get me fired up. And so with the eat component, we just want to ensure that all kids specifically right now in the Oakland area have access to quality nutrition and are being fed because in turn that ensures that they're able to go to school and learn properly. They're able to have that outdoor activity, which falls right into the learn and play pillars. And so we launched last July And a short six to eight months later, the pandemic hit and we never thought we would have to ramp up and learn on the go and bring people together in such a a large way so fast. And so it's been a tremendous learning curve. But I think at the same time, we've seen everybody come together in such a huge way to make sure that the community is taken care of. And I think it's been even though the need is growing, the fact that people are stepping up to the plate has been really refreshing and eye-opening. Those pillars are so vitally important topics to kids' development. We're so, or are so centered around schools and with the lack of physical school environment, Mm -hmm. you know, in the first half of this year, all of those things are in question. Yep. Yep. And then, you know, there's people out there that are like, you know, they're just doing school on the internet. But one of the biggest issues is access to a stable internet service. So one of our big things right now with the foundation is ensuring that kids have access to that so that Mm -hmm. they can learn, even if it be from home. When you hear those three little fundamental things, eat, learn, play, I mean, it's just shocking how many children don't have access to those simple, simple things that are so important in watching a child grow and thrive. In my home, 
my coffee station is my private retreat. It's where I play the news or calm music and I set my intentions for the day, taking a moment for myself before kids and work take over and power up my La Specialista espresso machine by DeLonghi to make my go-to oat milk cortado. With no heat up time and minimal cleanup, La Specialista delivers handcrafted, delicious espresso drinks at home. The advanced latte system delivers the perfect milk texture for cafe quality morning lattes and cappuccinos, while the separate hot water spout is made for brewing an afternoon Americano. Plus, the innovative dual heating system means there's no time between brewing espresso and frothing milk, so you get to enjoy your drink without the coffee shop wait. As stylish as it is functional, La Specialista has become a permanent fixture in my kitchen. It's espresso made right. Visit DeLonghi.com to learn more. We were really inspired on your vision for your physical space in Oakland, so the Sweet July space, and how you're taking that to the next level. Launching a media platform, really advocating for female entrepreneurs, people of color. You launched this year also, and planning this physical space to give shelf space and shine a light on these businesses. Tell me a little bit about that and then what that plan is going to look like, because I do think local action is just resonating so much with people right now. It's all we can do. It's so funny that the ideation of the store came about before the magazine. And we always just wanted to have this safe space where you could come, sip some coffee, linger a little bit, relax, feel a slower pace of life, you know, read a book, but also have like these little things throughout the store that can just like improve quality of life just a little bit, things that make you smile. Um, you know, whether it's a nice blanket or decorative pillow or to-go cup that helps you be a little more earth-friendly, like just these little things that just bring joy, which is the whole ethos of Sweet July. But also on the flip side, what we've been able to do, which makes me so happy, is feature these powerhouse female brands and collaborate with female entrepreneurs and brands and feature, you know, products owned and founded by women of color in the store. And so it's really exciting for myself and the whole team to be able to have this platform to do that and to specifically bring that into the Oakland community, just in the midst of so much gentrification and change to be able to bring something to the community that will hopefully stay and also is inclusive and brings other people from the community into one hub is really special and important to me. It's exciting. We're right on the cusp of opening. It's a, again, a little wonky time to, to be opening. I feel like people want a place to linger and to, to, to venture into even if just for a couple minutes. And so I'm excited to hopefully just bring a little joy <laughs> to the neighborhood. I think we are going to see an interesting shift in retail. What retail environments have meaning, like where things are made, who's making them, like a greater purpose behind some of these spaces. I think if 2020 has done anything right, it's slowed us all the way down. And is it, you're right, it's having us pay attention to where things are actually coming from. It's been an eye-opening process for sure. You talk about filling your home with things that are authentic to who you are and your family and aren't just coming from like a purpose of vanity. 
things that bring you joy. Yeah. What do you personally gravitate towards that feels like authentically you or like brings you joy personally? I feel like it, it, it can be so random, which I think is the beauty in all of it. Totally. What you bring into your home is such an individual thing and to each his own. And so for me, like I'm big on textures. So when something's really textural, I'm like, oh, I have to have that in my home. I do gravitate towards storytelling. And so I love when an item or a product has a story behind it to the meaning behind why it was produced or the person that made it their story of how they got to where they are. So I'm really big into knowing the history and the story behind anything. What colors evoke emotion for you or like how you use them in a space? What colors right now are making you feel good or calm? What are you wanting to surround yourself with at home? It's so funny because my home right now, as you see in the magazine, it's very gray and black. And for me, I, I like that because it lends a base to be able to bring color into the home. And so I tend, as I'm looking around right now, I'm noticing like a lot of buttery, like golden yellows, which also plays into a lot of brass. I love a good bone color just because it's serene to me. I feel like if I were to just sit in a bone colored room all day long, I would feel like mental clarity. It just lends this clean slate. And so like the bones, the yellows, and then just the way blacks and grays can be so transformative because you can bring other elements to it to make it fun. Well, I love that, the graphic nature of black and gray, and then those warm tones on top of it. What's amazing about yellows and brass is it can really go with anything. I love to play around with texture too, like monochromatic, but textural. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that often lends warmth to a space that I love. Like I find myself, I won't even notice it, like running my fingers across a fabric or something like that in like my most anxious moments. So finding like those textural elements to a home are really important to me. Well, I was going to ask what textures or materials are you into? Yeah. So I love like soft, velvety textures. Plaster, I think is amazing. It lends like this raw element to a space. My office has plaster all over the walls. And I just like, even though it's the stark color, it just still is warm. I'm a blanket girl. So I love like linens and then go cuddly with like chenille. And (laughs) yeah, I'm a texture girl. Well, good. We're all about to like hunker down. So that's so good. I know. Your space, which you really spearheaded the design, how did you think about approaching it? Where did you kind of look for inspiration? What did that design process look like? I'm constantly switching things out because I can't make up my mind. And so it really is this collection of things that from over the past couple of years, some have traveled with us here, some are new some I first dibsed it and wanted to feel like I knew vintage. And so mm-hmm. I went searching on there to find it. It's totally an education being on there. Yeah, so it really is. It's been a journey for me. Like it's still evolving. Everything's always changing here. And I would love to get to the point where things kind of stay the same. I don't mm-hmm. know when that will be. I like swapping things out and finding the piece that's just right. And you'll notice in the spread, I have a lot of Kelly Wurstler pieces. 
And I am a huge fan of Kelly Wurstler. And I actually spent my mother's day watching her masterclass. Oh. That's where I learned about a lot of how to bring in neutral colors, but still make it feel warm. Like I learned all that stuff from watching her masterclass. And I know you guys had her featured on the last issue, which I thought was so cool. Yeah. Well, she's a big fan of yours. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So yeah, I love her pieces. I love how timeless and classic they feel. So I think that that was a, a theme with me is a lot of her pieces, just because even though it's coming from the same designer, everything feels so curated and individualized. And I love that about her design. How do you think about living with design with kids? It is scary. That's half the reason why I'm constantly changing things. It's And they're getting a little bit older now, so it's starting to become okay. But they get stuff everywhere. I don't, mm-hmm. and no matter what rules you implement or what things you change, it seems to still happen. And I've finally gotten to a headspace where I'm trying to live with it. But I would say scotch guarding is really key. Totally. And wipeable materials. Outdoor fabric, performance fabric. There's yes. so much good outdoor fabric. So it's, it's that's just such a good idea and something I didn't hear about until recently. And I was like, why didn't I think about that? And there's so many beautiful outdoor fabrics now. There are so many amazing performance velvets. Yeah. Like, like amazing, super lush velvet that's a performance fabric and totally stain proof. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing just building on that a little bit. How have you guys been living in your space differently? Or like, are you rethinking any spaces to kind of rise to the occasion right now? It's kind of how I approach food. I've never been the mom to make a separate dinner for the kids. Like they're always going to eat what we're eating. They've learned to be open to that. And they've learned that, okay, this is just how it's going to be. And so I'm finally getting to the point with furniture where I'm like, you know what, like, I shouldn't, why am I catering this way? Like, let me have them learn how to live within this space in the way that we have worked so hard to want it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I've kind of just, you know, in making sure that those fabrics are like kid friendly, but I'm not catering to the kids on that front. How do you stay organized? How do you stay organized with the kids stuff? And how do you stay mentally organized? I don't. I'm a mess. I'm an <laughs> absolute disaster. It's horrible. Luckily, there's this amazing group of women named Spiffy Chicks in the Bay Area that helps us. Outside of texture and coziness and all of that that we're craving right now, what is kind of your self-care routine or how do you maintain balance with all you have going on throughout the day? And specifically, I'm asking about in your space, like how are you kind of maintaining mental balance and how are you winding down at the end of the day? So for me, especially in the midst of the times we're living in right now. It's really been being unapologetic about taking a little better care of myself. And so I've been really taking the time when it comes to my skincare and like that nighttime routine, Mm -hmm. really getting into it, making time for an occasional bath or even working out has become part of my self-care. And I never thought I would feel like that was self-care. I thought it would feel like a chore, but it's come to be something that I enjoy because I hate it in the moment, but I feel so good and just ready to take on life after. I need it to be the best possible 
entrepreneur and mom and wife that I can be. Amazing. In this moment of Black Lives Matter, and we can only hope that we are in a moment of seismic shift in how people are thinking about social justice and inequality and with your platform and the way that you are thinking about your media platform going forward and retail, it does feel like this very 360 approach. And that's super, super inspiring. I would love for you to talk a bit about what people can do and how they embrace this moment of change and action. It'd be nice for people to get to a point where they're being more inclusive in a non-strategic way where people aren't like, okay, this this Black Lives Matter movement is happening. Like, how do we keep up with the time? It should just be a part of our human nature. Mm-hmm. So I would love for it to get to a point where it's not even a question. It just is what happens and that there is this sense of grand inclusivity on all fronts. But it's like, okay, how do we get people that, to that point? And I think it's just by having open communication like this constantly talking about it, addressing the elephants in the room, and then pressing forward. I can't stand when it's a part of the strategy on how to sell something. It should just be a part of of what we all know should be happening. I love the way you very simply articulated that from the beginning, like without the strategy. Yeah. You know, of course, we are all exposed to brands and businesses and all of that. But ultimately, right now, it's really just about being human, you know? Yeah. Like, let's make it normal, like the yeah. new normal, let's not make it special. It should be normal. Yeah. And then from a personal standpoint, just looking at everybody in their communities. I mean, I think it's as simple as having open dialogue with your neighbor or the person at the coffee shop. Also important is like when you see something, call it out. Because oftentimes you come to realize that a lot of this generational bias is stemming from nurture, not nature. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's sometimes the start of the change can be just having the conversation. And so I would say that's first step in my opinion. What is the future hold for Sweet July? How are you thinking about it going forward? You know, with the magazine specifically to be able to be representation on a shelf, another form of it, and use my voice in what I hope to be an impactful way and to not have it always be about me, but how I can impact the community and bring people in and give people that may not have had uh, a platform, a platform to speak their truth and tell their story. And so I'm really excited to have the opportunity to do that and really, really just grateful that, you know, Meredith has been such a big supporter behind that and is aligned with my vision. So I think the future is bright for Sweet July. In challenging times, we lean on the things that support us, uplift us, and make us happy. In this signature franchise, Domino editors ask our guests, quickfire style, about the 10 things that are making them happy. From the books that inspire them, to the personal items that tell their story, to the places they love to eat, travel, and feed their soul. Okay, 10 things that make you happy, quickfire style, just like what's making you happy, what's bringing you joy. Who is your design hero or what iconic designers continue to inspire you? Could be fashion, interiors. Oh my God. 
So Kelly Worsler, obviously, I've been really big into looking at like Basquiat paintings. Mm. I, I've, I've really been interested in like learning about art. And so that's kind of my intro to that. So layered and crazy and amazing. Yes. yes. There's so when you first look at it, you're like, oh, okay. But then when you really take a moment to to look into it, you're like, oh, there's there's levels to this. I get it. Favorite color and color pairing. We touched on color, but what color pairings are you into? Black and gold. Mm, love that. Yeah. Favorite material or texture? Leather. So good. Okay. Favorite restaurant. We're going to hit on that. <laughs> Favorite hotel and then city you can't wait to go back to. Okay. I have a favorite restaurant, but it's my own restaurant, International Smoke. So I'll I'll pick something outside of that. And it has to be Michael Mina. And this is not biased. It truly is like one of my favorite spots to go to, like a celebratory, mm-hmm. like date night anniversary type spot. Michael Mina's flagship restaurant, Michael Mina. Favorite hotel and then city you can't wait to return to. Proper Santa Monica because of the design. I love it. And the pool's a vibe. So good. And then favorite city. I can't wait to go back to the south of France. Mm. Cannot wait. I know. We've gone a couple times for our anniversaries and I'm obsessed with it. I love it. I love the culture. I love the slow pace. I love the weather, everything. Um, favorite design object of the moment can be anything in your home. Could be a piece of art you're obsessing over. Um, oh, my Fort Standard breakfast table. I love it. It's tonal wood. It's done in stripes. So it's two uh, shades of oak and they're, they're striped it's in the magazine. It so. looks so good in the magazine. I love that table. Yeah. I love it so much. <laughs> okay. Favorite movie, classic movie or show you've just seen, something you're watching? Right now, Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> so good. Um, favorite book can be a novel, a photography book, a design book, something inspiring you. Right now I'm reading notes from a young black chef by mm. Kwame. Yeah. I'm going to butcher his last name. Mm-hmm. I'll just say Chef Kwame O um, on Wuche. And I'm so intrigued by the book right now. Such great storytelling. What a journey. I just think he's fabulous. You know, he won the James Beard for Rising Chef last year. Yeah. And just so incredible. So I'm I'm excited to see what's on the horizon for him. And I think he's just a powerhouse. Favorite plant or flower? Oh, my favorite um, flower. It was actually my wedding bouquet. There's a flower called a Stephanotis. Mm-hmm. And they smell so good. And I picked it for the bouquet because Stefan's name is Stefan. Aww. And then outside of that, black orchids. That last. They last so long. Favorite vintage source or home store or home-focused retail discovery? So I have two. The first is First Dibs, just because it's like a curation of all sorts of different things. And then the second, we have a local store um, in the city called March. And they have really, really, really great showpieces, I guess you'd call them. It's like a home and kitchen gallery emporium yes sam who owns it is just a genius i love that it's It's so good okay favorite food and favorite recipe from the book or one you guys are just cooking on repeat so my favorite favorite food in all of life is 
um, oxtail, rice and peas and fried plantain. It's just like classic Jamaican food that I grew up on. And it like gives me a sense of home and my grandma and my family every time I eat it. And then I would say my favorite uh, recipe from the book is my turmeric poached halibut. Mm. And I pair it with um, this brown butter apple sweet potato mash. Yum. It's the one dish in the book that is like just feels so elevated. So I love it. Ooh, and perfect for right now. Mm-hmm. Aisha, thank you so much. This is so fun. fun. Yeah. I thank know. you so much. I'm so glad we could do it. Um, congrats on everything. Thank you so much. So amazing. It's really inspiring. Thank you guys. It's been so fun. Design Time is produced by Team Domino with special thanks to Alex Redgrave, Linda Denahan, Liz Mundell, Britt Ashcraft, and Ali Alquiza. Our theme music is by the talented Alex Weinstein. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. See you guys next week right here on Design Time.